0: Party to tonight! Uh, TV
1: party tonight!
2: Oh, We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.
1: Don't want to talk about anything else.
3: We don't want to know.
1: We're dedicated yes. to
3: our favorite shows. oh my ticket Everybody loves this
0: photo! Scary dog! Dancing at ball!
4: Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting premiere podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And that over there, tip of the glass, is Pat, I swear, no homicidal impulses, (laughs) Mullen, otherwise known as the punchy pugilist or Baron Von Awesome, depending on which day of the week you find him. How you doing, Pat? But when the weekend's over and
3: Monday rolls around, I end up like I start out just crying my heart out. She don't love me like I love her nobody could i've got it bad Thank you. and that ain't good i've got it bad and that ain't good
4: I didn't want to interrupt your singing, but that my I just had my wife bring me an all uh, an alcoholic beverage, so cheers.
3: Cheers to you, my friend,
4: and I feel yes. like that
3: song was fitting for this uh, podcast. It
4: is. Um,
3: Thank you, Tobias Beecher, for the inspiration.
4: Yeah, uh, Pat, we're here to discuss you tonight. That's our favorite. That tonight is our favorite show. <laughs> um, a couple of po- points of order. This was actually Jason's idea. Jason's having some camera troubles tonight. So he's there on the screen, but he's muted and his camera's frozen and he'll be in and out of this. Um, So (laughs) before we started the show tonight, um, we were talking about, oh, you know, Jason was going to be drinking, Pat's going to be drinking. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if my wife brought me alcohol while we were recording? Which
3: I saw the entire green mug, (laughs) which is fantastic.
4: Um, I had a whole thing thing, planned. I have
3: a wife, so I relate to you in this. So it's fine.
4: I uh, well, the funny thing was, I had a whole thing planned. I wanted her to be like, "I brought you your your drink master, and like we're going to nose and everything." Uh, but you were singing, so she kind of had to do the whole thing silent movie like. It's fine. you should just queued her up later. Come on, it would have been fine. She wanted to go to bed. It was like I, I kind of looked over at. Her, I'm like, I can't stop Pat from singing. What do you want from me? I'm sorry, so- Melissa. This is my fault. Why do you defend myself? <laughs> Melissa, this is my fault. You're I good.
2: Heard you. I heard you. Complaining about me. Nothing You're is ever Pat's fault. Myself? What now? He said, I heard you depl- complaining that I ruined your bit. No, 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 no. no. Melissa, you did the bit. This bed. is my
4: fault.
3: I, I 100% take blame for this.
4: Okay, Pat Pat is 100% taking the blame. Okay, 100%, We couldn't get Lisa, to my me. bit because he was doing a bit. We had dueling bits.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> mine was now singing, I so I had 14, to do 14 it. 14 hours today. Uh-huh. going to bed.
4: Okay, well, look, comedy before bed. That's how this, this marriage works. Hello. Please don't turn this on the <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hello. <laughs> all
4: right, get out of here. <laughs> Everyone, leave me alone.
3: This is why I podcast with Jason Good camera and good audio, so let's go to that. Yeah. Hey, Jason, how
1: are you? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm back. Uh, I'm on a show with yeah. Pat, and I'm very happy. Uh, I think that we're me and Pat's going to have a very nice, uh, true, fun experience with my 32 ounces of um, concoction here and. Pat's feeling fine, I can tell, so Mark, you're in for a good ride.
4: Yeah, no, this will be fun. My wife made me something with Jim Bean in it, so eh, whatever. Hey, I got a question. I'm the only one drinking
3: clear liquor tonight. I'm sorry, fellas.
4: It's all right. (laughs) There's never a wrong time for whiskey or clear liquor. All right, Jason, This so as I said in the chat, and I'll say it a lot nicer (laughs) than the way Jim Cornette said it that I repeated, this was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted to talk about you. And so I said, okay, we'll get it on the schedule and we'll do it. We're going to break it into, into seasons. I can't do all 30 episodes at once. Um, but I, I had a sort of strange thought here because I was looking at the history of the show. And it start, season one started off on Lifetime before it moved to Netflix, yeah. which begs the question, what do two manly men like you do watching Lifetime? How did that happen?
1: Well, actually... Um okay. yes. Um I mean, you know, anytime time to talk about me is a good time, uh my opinion. <laughs> so I mean, you know, thanks for that, Mark. Uh I buy I buy you a couple of drinks and you become my best friend. So there's that. Uh but this actually came to me uh because I'm married. I have a wife who likes watching random shit. Uh and a girl at work, um, we was we was on this like lull of all of our favorite shows being you know, on a hiatus and everything. And a girl mm-hmm. she worked with was That's like accurate Last Rider 216. Uh, uh <laughs> it, it was one of those we was in a lull, like I said, and they mentioned well there's this it, it started out on Lifetime, which we didn't watch it on Lifetime. We it okay. first came over to Netflix the first season was on Netflix. when we started watching it and it was one of those things that they said this is an utter shit show that your husband (laughs) your husband would love and she goes why do you say that it's like because the main character is such a horrible person but he's not the worst person on the show you actually like him because everybody else is total shitbags and she went that's right up Jason's alley so is, that's how I got. To, that's how I got to it.
4: Okay, so you weren't watching Lifetime like you know with a box of tissues and ice cream in your hands, and you're like, and then like you comes on, you're like, let me let me stay tuned for this. You got it. I, ne- it was I never. It was-
1: I never said that, but no, that's not how. I, <laughs> that's not how I
4: came. That's not how I came
1: to watching you. That's you know you've seen me when at I least I was you're married, Jay. There's an excuse built in. You can use it. It's okay. Uh, you you're talking about you know a Saturday night on Lifetime Movie Network, not not when you was on i was was talking about you know uh the 1980s burning bed um but we won't go (laughs) into that
4: you know it's funny in the chat we've been talking about oz and it's amazing that you managed to find a show for me to watch with less likable characters than the entire six seasons of oz (laughs) it's fantastic <laughs> all right what about, what about you muscles uh, how did you end up watching a show on lifetime of all places i, I just
3: like <laughs> to point out that in the corner there you see the poster for the movie over the top that's re- yeah, me where I, I want there. you to
4: know in, in addition to redoing the rocky long road to ruin that you and i decided we're doing next year when samaritan comes out we're also re-airing the over-the-top alternative commentary oh so you're good. welcome Hello, Ronnie Adams.
3: <laughs> No, uh, so it's funny. I, uh, I didn't get into this show when it was on lifetime. Although I, I will freely admit here, and this is a full confession. I love lifetime slash hallmark Christmas movies. I hate the holiday. I love the movies. I love Danica McKeller and Candace Cameron Bure and all the various divas associated with lifetime Christmas and hallmark Christmas movies. I love y'all. Um, But I caught this show when it premiered on Netflix because um, okay. people kept rem- kept recommending it to me. No, no, no. It's not one of those typical lifetime shows. Like, Oh, the guys. And all I could think of when I thought of like lifetime shows is like army wives and uh, what else was on lifetime at the time. Um, Reairings of bad blood with Christina Cox and like stuff. I really tried to appreciate and couldn't. Mm-hmm. And then I just I I was like you know what I've got you know it's pandemic let's uh we don't have anything going on let's watch this show, and this was after I watched Tiger King and Unorthodox, so <laughs> you, could, you could see what my uh my habit my habits were like at the time. Sure. And I was like, ah, eh, you know what? This is actually kind of well crafted. I don't know if I'm just yearning for new content or what, but I'm, I, I like this show. They said it in parts in, in Brooklyn, which is cool, because I underst- I knew where most of the locations were. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was like, eh, you know what? This isn't a guy I want to root against, because everybody sucks, much <laughs> as Jason pointed out. So I swear no homicidal impulses based on what I watched, but, um, you know, eh. You know, eh. I'm
1: going to pitch something real quick, Mark. Yes, since sir. Pat Since Pat did say that he loves Hallmark Christmas movie, Mm-hmm. I now want to see Pat do it be a guest star on my wife's podcast Ooh. and cover, cover a Christmas movie with Amber. That is
3: now my goal.
4: I think we should make that happen. All right, so Jay,
3: we'll talk about this offline. We'll talk about this off the show, Jay, but I'm 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 all ears, okay? So you just let me know.
4: So the first season of you um based on the novel of the same name by Caroline Kepnes uh, debuted in April of 2017, and then it was shipped off to Netflix for seasons two and now just dropping season three. This is yet another Greg Berlanti show. Yeah. This it's dude, very Berlanti <laughs> of Greg Berlanti. Oh my god, this is I haven't seen something this Berlanti since, since, uh, since season Secret three of Arrow. Supergirl. I was going to say since he <laughs> took over Supergirl. Um, yeah, well, I don't this, watch Supergirl, so that's fair. Yeah, this is um, it's, it's it's so funny. Like, I, I wanted to do this and, and I wanted to talk about it, but I'm now realizing that this is Jason getting me back for things. This is like I'm going to make Mark watch a terrible show.
3: Also, <laughs> you know? in addition to being very buzzed, my neighbors are smoking some incredible weed, and it's coming over. So, <laughs> so, so this just
1: gets better and better, Mark. Absolutely. <laughs> Disaster.
4: <laughs> All right. So, Jason, um, you said, hey, let's not do the usual TV party tonight structure, which is we go episode by episode. Let's kind of go back to the way I used to do it, which is to sort of go through the cast and you know talk love about it. generally what happens instead of breaking it down episode by episode. So this is not a hard show to understand. A really, really smart guy <laughs> in a bookstore falls in love with a really, really shitty girl in the bookstore and he Facebook stalks her for a while, figures out. Based on her social media, um, what she's all about, does the math on her and then proceeds to inject himself into her life and one by one start eliminating obstacles, toxic people, etc. in her life. When you initially pitched this to me, you were like, oh, it's about a serial killer. And when he's sitting there struggling <laughs> yeah. over killing the first guy, I was like, he's not a serial killer, he's turning into one, but like he's he didn't start off that way, which leads to the second thing that happens in this series, uh, which which bears some of this conversation. <laughs> it is implied he killed his last girlfriend until dun 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 spoilers, she shows up in the in you know in the le- final minutes of the final episode of yeah. season one. So I, what, I always what the fuck.
3: I thought of, uh, if you guys have ever seen True Romance by Tony Scott, I always think of James Gandolfini's uh, speech that he gives to Pierce Arquette where he's like, you know, the first one, the first one's hard. You know, I threw up on the first one. You believe that? The second one, though, it's, it's still hard, but it, it's it's the, like diluted, you know? And that's kind of what we see, uh, you know, our, our, our pal Joe Goldberg going through a little bit during this uh, first season. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to point this
1: out now the only likable characters on this show, like the redeemable one is the guy he works with in the store. Yeah. Paco.
3: Sure. Yeah. Oh, Paco. And
1: and the friend that's the, the, the rate, the quote unquote racist friend that, that peach, uh, outs for Annika. Yeah. Uh, but that's think he's
3: likable, but go on. well, Compared to the rest of the people, those three people are <laughs> yeah, the only people. The least, the least problematic thing we have. It's fine.
1: Well, Blythe wasn't that bad. I, they they set her up to be Blythe. be somebody. Yeah.
3: Now, she by was, Blythe, do you mean Brian? No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um. her Adam's apple is bigger than mine. Yeah, she wasn't
1: that bad, but the way they introduced her, you thought that it was going to be like, she was going to be this like Beck 2.0 that, you know, and then she just like fizzles out and she becomes, you know, Beck's publicist. And you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) But this show, okay, Everybody we'll get to this early, uh, later, but yeah, just why just is everybody's and
4: run with it? There's, there's no form why, of structure at this point.
1: Yeah, why is everybody's least favorite character Peach? I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be start there.
3: Ample <laughs> reason for that, but we'll go. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Mark, I want to know, like, you know, uh, you asked me and Pat what what did you think about after you got about three episodes in uh, and you realized what the fuck, Teasley got me into?
4: Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Homer <laughs> quits his job and he goes to work for the bowling alley, but then he gets yes Martin again with Maggie yeah. at the end of the episode? You know, um, you know, he covers up the thing, so it says, "Remember, you're doing it for her." So I'm watching <laughs> this in the bedroom. My wife's reading one of her dirty novels, and she just hears me murmuring to myself, "John
3: Collins or Danielle Steele,
4: <laughs> Melissa." What smutty author are you reading now? Come here.
3: <laughs> oh, this put is Dan, going off the rails quick.
4: Put ants on, and come here and tell Pat what smutty author you're reading.
3: Just say Danielle Collins or Joan Steele. Not either one. She's first of all Danielle Steele I... or Joan Collins. I'm sorry,
4: several I'm I'm half in the, the bag, reading.
3: guys. We're, we're just several just in intermingled novels. Intermingled, Pat. Intermingled. Which one is Fabio on the cover on going like this?
4: <laughs> um, well, she also reads them on her Kindle, so I don't see the artwork. You mean i um,
3: yeah. into that?
4: Yes. Yes, Jonas. Thank you for cracking jokes at your mother's expense.
3: Strike him for being up past his bedtime. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so anyway. Heathen. Um, Heathen. Well, oh, so what? So, uh, yeah, I'm sitting She's just, I'm mumbling to myself. She's like, what are you mumbling about? What are you, what's going on over there? And I'm like, fucking <laughs> hate Teasley. I hate Teasley. I don't want to watch this. This is the stupidest show. Oh my God. Why am I being made to? I, I watch peak television, I watch Watchmen mm-hmm. and The Wire. Wait, and- Melissa's there. Yeah, hang on. Here, just take the me earphones. Just- <laughs> Melissa. Yes.
3: Are you reading Danielle Steele or Joan Collins?
2: Neither. I'm reading somebody (gasps) named Samantha
3: Cole. Oh, my goodness.
2: I don't read those. Those are, like, old lady
3: smut. (laughs) But those are prime smutty novels. Those are old lady smut novels. (laughs) But with Fabio on the cover, tearing his shirt.
2: No, my books books do have, like, scantily clad men. but.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. This is going off the rails quick. Disney books, right? No,
2: this is not the Smutty Disney
4: books. This is, <laughs>
2: this is the one that takes place in Tampa and their okay, former right, Navy right. SEALs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, that's
3: one. a little close to home. Mark, cut those off. Come on. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, but the good ones, there are. There's some really good ones where they took Disney villains and um, like really well-known Disney characters and turned them into BDSM club members. <laughs>
1: So what? basically they I'm took they they took that what it, what is that Disney show that and they just turned it up to like 11 and smut
2: Oh oh, d- oh um yeah Lily likes it um instead of like all my second graders um
3: No this is this is no uh, no I'm out I'm I'm
2: done Oh no you haven't lived until you Yeah have. You've read about Jafar no, I... after Jasmine. Oh yeah, and Tinkerbell? Come on, Tinkerbell and Captain Hook, man. Whew.
1: No, what the, the fuck did this show, show turn into? I don't want to
2: venture <laughs> into that more. No. <laughs> Look, Teasley, you always talk no, about I'm going to vodka. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting vodka.
1: <laughs> I'm going to need another drink after this. Me and my wife <laughs> might have hard har- har- hall sex, we might actually walk by each other and scream fuck you tonight.
2: Exactly. I'm telling you, you gotta get your wife reading these books, my friends. This is no, my happens. wife,
1: my wife has porn. It's <laughs> it's yeah. it's those those mail order porn books.
0: <laughs>
1: this is I, I call them mail order porn books because they come they come very discreetly in a like a brown package. And I go out to the mailbox and I scream through the house. Uh, yes, Descendants <laughs> of Fifty Shades of Grey. That's what
3: you read. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we were going to talk about you. How did this descend into Disney porn? Good lord.
2: But but you is, Gossip Girl. Okay, but I was. Very okay, first that. of
3: all, Gossip Girl is not you the same thing. Over and do this <laughs> fucking podcast. Gossip Girl. Okay, he was. Yeah, he was we got the MVP back. Hillary Duff kissed the girl. It was amazing. I was in an episode where they filmed by the Russian Tea Room. Yeah, that's Gossip Girl. This is. Different.
2: This is not that. But that but the guy is gossip girl. Yeah, Amber had a real character. This isn't related. This my, he's,
3: he's my, Joe Goldberg. He's not, you know, whatever the guy's name was. He's not remember.
1: A. He's not A, okay? He's not A. <laughs> is that was that Gossip Girl? It's something like that. Uh, no,
2: I don't remember what no, he that was. Pretty, no,
1: was pretty a A was little liars. Liars. Pretty, pretty
2: little irre. Liars.
1: Liars. Why do you mean you know this shit, Pat? That really bothers <laughs> Mark, I can tell. He doesn't. That know mean, I head. don't think anything bothers has, Mark. It's fine.
2: He has no idea what anybody's saying. I'm wearing the headphones. He has no idea what's going on.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah, but
1: when he listens, when he listens lip. back,
3: it's fine. Yeah, it's
1: fine. <laughs> okay, so we started talking about you. We went down to BDSM descendants. <laughs> uh, good night. So good night, Melissa. So, okay.
4: So let's bring this back on so track, Mark. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, basically, look. I, I. This is definitely nighttime telly soap opera type stuff. This is very Berlanti. <laughs> that's where we left off. Go on. Um. But you know, look. Are there, it's it, look. I. I can deal with trashy television, and that's kind of <laughs> what this was.
3: <laughs> kind of what ninety percent of your podcasts are.
4: Um. You know what this kind of reminded me of a very poorly written Melrose Place. You, know, you shut your whore mouth. This was not poorly written. Okay. So, <laughs> I, Dr. Peter that... Burns was
3: not exactly a uh, plethora of
4: good. <laughs> I th- what I'm trying to say is, just so we can move this conversation along and answer Jason's question directly, it, it just felt like primetime network soap opera, you know? Yeah. And that's what it was. And it's not usually what I would watch, but... <laughs> And Jason was excited about this. Clearly, you are too. So I was like, I as I told Alexis earlier today, when people are excited about stuff, then that gets me excited to talk about it, even if it's not particularly in my wheelhouse. All right. So let's talk about Joe Goldberg for a little bit. Um, can you please? Yes. So I guess my first thing about him, and you guys can kind of weigh in on this. We'll just kind of go around and around. Um, It's a bit of a slow go at first because, and I talked about this. Uh, the other night, actually, about how much I really, really hate—I was, I was talking about this with Gavin. I, I hate the new the television trope now of playing of watching someone play with their cell phone, or I thought she was
1: going to say play with themselves, and I was like,
4: "No, what that's kind of TV fine. are
1: you watching, Mark? No, that's, oh, solid that's TV. fine.
4: Um, that's solid TV. Well, <laughs> yeah, she does yeah. use the
1: pillow a lot."
4: I know just like the whole idea of like watching someone mess with their cell phone or seeing what's on the cell phone or the, or the tablet on the screen. And so much of the first episode is him just Googling and going on Facebook and doing like that. Somebody said to me at work the other day, they're like, I didn't know you could reverse Google image search. And I'm like, yeah, I do it all the time for my podcast, for well, my podcast. You have
3: to no, but you have to think about this. Like if we were watching TV in 1986 mm. and like, You know, uh, Hardcastle and McCormick were trying to figure something out. Right. That's not an option to them. Right. Nowadays, that's the easiest route to go about finding that stuff out, and it doesn't make for compelling television. Right. Like, I'll I'll completely review that, but it's just—it's a realistic option that's now, and we have to present that as something where it kind of kills a lot of the TV fun of it. Where, Mm. you know, say Tubbs and Crockett found this thing, and they're gonna have to look for it via the hard way by hitting the streets. We don't hit the streets anymore. It's kind of, it's yeah. kind of sad.
4: You're 100 right about that, Pat, and and that's what I was saying. Like, the the lost art of the mystery on television showed in an aesthetically pleasing way is gone. I was joking with Gavin. Yeah. Like, I wish we would just give up social media and go back to like ink inkwells and parchment. I'm just saying the way
3: to do it is to go back to period pieces. Let's set everything before 1995, and we're all good.
4: The perfect done. Um, I but, say, uh, I say, go back okay. to the
3: eighties, just to,
1: just to, you know, be in Pat's element. <laughs> not
4: wrong. Um, but yeah, so it's a slow go at first, Jason, just to kind of see him. See, here's the thing, and this is, and, and this is what I kind of want your opinion on. He falls in love with Beck almost instantly, but I don't know. She's a pretty basic bitch, and the more yeah, you she learn is. about her, the more you, the more you realize that she's kind of broken, not totally broken. She's functional. But she's definitely one of those girls who's going out of her way to seek out negative attention. But there's only a million of those out there, and they made her seem so much like she was a diamond in the rough. But to me, she was so basic that I don't, I don't enjoy Joe as a character. Like I, I haven't watched Dexter, so I don't know if this totally tracks. But oh, there's Dexter. something about like, like the Dexter character, or some of the, or you know, or what I did watch, Mackie. Mackie was clearly, clearly a sociopath yeah. on The Shield. But he had all kinds of charisma, and he was dangerous, and he was badass, and he was masculine, and you liked him despite the shitty things he did. There's nothing about that with Joe, and him falling head over heels over this basic bitch made it even worse for me, Jason. Well, I mean,
1: you know, if she could, if she was any more basic, she'd be carrying around a, a Starbucks cup dressed as Han Solo, but that's <laughs> beside the point. Uh, but yeah, she is totally a basic bitch, but... The fact that he is, he has that obsessive personality that Mm -hmm. if anybody gives him attention, he latches on to. And that's, so he caught, uh, she kind of caught his eye and then she engaged in him. And Mm -hmm. then it went, then that addictive personality, that obsessive, the OCD of wanting, wanting her it, you see it. You see the slow burn to where he becomes basically obsessive and a stalker, uh, and then you find out that you know he's not her only stalker. You know mm. that we we'll get into that a little bit when we talk about characters. But this is you know in the first three episodes, you're like, okay, you know he's jerking off outside of her window while old lady comes out and catches <laughs> a cab. You're like. Okay, and some of the shit is just so unrealistic, like you know, just wait blending in unrealistic. Blending in by just wearing a hat.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm gonna, you, know, I'm gonna you, you guys, see the memes. Okay? I live in Brooklyn where like this is supposed to take place at certain points in Greenpoint. There's a million motherfuckers with hats and a fucking generic jacket with no logo. Okay. You're, you're gonna fucking about- see everybody who does that shit. And again, as Robert Winfrey points out, what about public masturbation in New York is unrealistic? Well, y'all didn't walk by my apartment building this morning. If you think that's not a real thing, just saying.
1: Oh God, Pat.
3: <laughs> but uh... and I live in a nice neighborhood. You don't. Know, you live in. Pablo. Oh. Yes, exactly. Mark. Yeah, you
4: live with the you live with the Jews, like they, well. There's Mark. No, Mark, you can't it's more say the, Jew. The
3: hipsters and the the old money. Mark, you can't say Jew. Mark's a Jew. You can say Jew. It's fine. I like, but that's I can't. What they say are. Jew. I didn't say dirty
4: say Jew. Jews. I just said Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Jewish people, many of them live in Park. Out slope. of this shit show, they really don't <laughs> though. More, it's it's really more at this did, point. Williamsburg,
3: Borough Park.
4: As you uh, say, did all the Hasidics move out of Park Slope?
3: yeah it's more Borough Park uh Bed-Stuy uh Borough Park Borough Park Bed-Stuy Williamsburg um a little bit into Midwood yeah it's a little different since you left
4: I was gonna say yeah I was there in like the early 2000s and I used to sometimes have to catch the train um gosh what is the train station in Brooklyn um the big one not obviously not bench yeah yeah I used to have to catch that and I and I would have to walk through Park Slope and it was just nothing but Hasidic Jews, and you know, and 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 the and the Lost Tribes of Israel, which were my favorite.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, so in in Kensington we had the Lines of Judah, which was fantastic. But uh, go on. Yes.
4: Anyway, um, let's, uh, <laughs> So Pat, keeping with you in in our in uh, instead of our tour of Brooklyn, so what did you think of Joe? Let's just let's just keep it general. What did you What did you think of the Joe character? I I clearly didn't love him.
3: So here's the thing, if if okay and. I'm going to be odd about this. There's no other way to do it. Um, The neighborhood I lived in at the time I lived in, I was probably more, um, this is going to be odd to say, and I feel weird about it, sexually mature than most people the same age group. Mm -hmm. Um, So like 13 is when I started experimenting with sex and stuff. And, you know, Joe is kind of like the guy who meets that girl who, he's like, oh, shit, this girl's really cool. If I bang her, we're probably going to be soulmates <laughs> that you think of when you're, like, 13, 14. Right. And, he's you know... In
4: first, he's still in first crush phase.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you from personal experience that, you know, the girl you meet at 13, 14, and you bang and everything's great. It's awesome. Right. You don't end up marrying her 99% of the time. Right. So that's kind of where he is emotionally.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: He's very emotionally stunted versus uh, everything else. Like Intellectually, he's fine. He's read ton mm-hmm. of books, which is great. He, he works his job and does all the things you're supposed to do as an adult. But when it comes to relationships, he's kind of very uh, novice and naive and doesn't understand what it really uh, entails to do that. So a lot of people, the first time they fall in love, fall in love with a hoe. It, it, it just is what it is. Sure, you know. Usually, the first you know thing you catch is a hoe, and you you hit the hoe, and
4: uh, you're crabs. like, oh my
3: god, this is, this is well, <laughs> crabs come in certain aspects. The, the
4: nice thing about <laughs> dating a whore is that when you have a deep need for attention, you know what we learn over the course of season one is Joe was abused and neglected. Um, comes yeah. from foster care, his parents were an issue, was raised by the bookstore guy who locked him, you know, in a, in a, <laughs> <laughs> in a clear Mr. closet. Moody. Yeah. So he clearly has, he has some personality disorder issues. He's got some, you know, he's got some mental health issues going on, which rear themselves throughout it. But I, I think one of the things that was, I'm going to use the word triggering just for lack of a better word, triggering for me about Joe is I know so many guys like him, you know, they, they fall head over heel, heels for a girl who's not worth it. And then, like, the first episode, he's saying things like, you know, I'll do the cooking and the cleaning because you're a slob. And it's, you just want to punch him in the dick, you know? Like, yeah. Look, I, I will say he's a married man. You have to help out around the house if you, do, you know, you just do, unless you have the wife that will do everything. But even then, ends badly. You know, you do have to do stuff. But, like, the I will do everything for you so that you can sit on a throne and write. And I'm just like, right in the dick, pal. <laughs> Did well, you yeah, I mean, see- I
1: fully agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Did you guys ever see the
3: movie Mad Love with Chris O'Donnell and Drew Barrymore? Uh, it's been a long-ass time since I've seen it.
4: I feel like I have, but go okay, on. Okay,
3: I, I really feel like you have, mm-hmm. but it's a movie that paints a picture of codependency. And mm-hmm. when one person is mentally ill and the other person is not, but they're unwilling to see that person's mental illness in play, mm-hmm. and they become a uh, enabler yes. of the mental illness yeah. in part. And that's kind of Joe's entire mentality is that I'm so desperate to fall in love mm-hmm. that I'm going to just enable the behavior of whoever I fall in love with, regardless of the situation, ah, oh, you you shit on the floor, I'm gonna clean it up. Uh, you leave ink all over this, I'm going to clean it up. Well, not only just
4: clean it up, but it's like, well, it's clear. You have to shit on the floor. This is how you express yourself. It's like, yeah. like the worst parent, you know, <laughs> enabling a child. Like, like you not only do you allow it to happen, you make excuses rationalizing it when it's like, no, 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 no. You have to call that kind of behavior out. I know, Jason, you're like fighting to get in here. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. And w- another thing about Joe is he – he why he's doing his quote unquote research. He's seeing all of her, um, all of the negative qualities of her and mm-hmm. taking those and exploiting them. Like she hangs around these socialite friends, and right. he's putting he's spinning it to where he's putting her on the same level as her and not seeing her for her money. And, I
3: love and- you, I love you using the word exploit by the way, that was key yeah because this
1: is a it's a very it's both both are exploiting each other um he's exploiting her weaknesses and stuff and she's exploiting his codependency because she sees that she can do no wrong in his eyes she sees you know it's like when they first start going out you know she starts you know doing all of these things that is showing uh, she's interested and starts talking, well, I like a bad guy. I, this is all the people I drive. It starts comparing him to the um, Benji, the douchebag. And so that <laughs> that leads them to you know him trying to go down on her in Ikea. And then she gets pissed off about it.
3: Uh, because, first of all, you know, I'm just going to say, okay, first of all, having been in Ikea in Brooklyn, which is the only close <laughs> one to where they are, and that's supposed to be where they are, It is impossible to go down on someone in that Ikea, just saying, and the reason being, Mark, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, there's a lot of your people there on most days deal hunting when there's about two hours left in the store to be open, and they're looking for a closeout deal. Just saying, I'm not. I'm not being anything. I'm not saying that anything that's
4: not true. Let, let me just help saying, you. This is what happens. The way IKEA is is made up. If there's too many open spaces, there's not enough places to hide and bang a girl or go down on her or whatever. Unless you well, actually no. go in the closets. I mean, no. In no, this place, that mean, is, there's know, just the... so many
3: people. Good lord. Mm.
1: The you know the thinly veiled. Uh, oriental room divider there gives you enough privacy. You mean the
3: Chinese basket?
1: Yeah. Uh, We'll go with that, Pat. Oh, good (laughs) lord. Gets us back on the rest. But they exploit each other because, you know, in the first half of the season, you see, you know, Beck's a very damaged individual that Joe's exploiting Uh, because she's like fucking everybody that she wants. She's a whore.
3: Uh, but you, again, but you think the first person you fall in love with a lot of times because they give it up to you is a whore because they yeah, gave no, it up to you the first time when you're 13. Well, this isn't years old. This isn't who he first fell in love with. He first fell in love with with the redhead, Uh Yeah, but, but again, that, they, they, but, they, we don't we don't we don't really know that through through, and then all of a sudden you shift yeah. your focus because she's giving it up, and yeah, yeah. And, but it's like you know, um, and you see, you see the the
1: the dynamic change uh, because her friends start start uh, you know buying into it. A set for Peach, who is obsessed with fucking Beck as well, because Beck's a, that, because she okay. uses you, she uses her her financial and her family's old money to basically buy Beck's. Attention.
3: So that begs two questions. Okay. That begs two. One, have you guys ever dealt with um, a girl who had a friend who was so, like, protective, we'll say, over said friend that they did not want anything for them to do with you? And two, did you guys know that Peach then, in this continuity, would be the sister of Matt Salinger who played Captain America in the 21st century pictures version of Captain America in 1991 with the rubber ears?
4: Ah, okay, so that first question we'll deal with. And yeah, sure. Um, I have like, I nothing... to try
1: to figure that part. Second part out, Pat. Just gonna yeah, I'm,
4: yeah, we're just going to go right past it. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, especially when I, in my younger days, I, I was definitely like a part of a relationship where, um, it's actually funny because I, I I was I was really friend I was really good friends with this one guy and he had a girlfriend and the girlfriend saw me as the threat because I was taking the boyfriend away from her and it was clearly like nothing romantic going on obviously but like she just wanted his like all his attention I all the time
3: my girlfriend you know and
4: she and she actually like cornered me one day she was like I don't like that you hang out with my boyfriend you know and ultimately it was because like she he didn't he didn't spend a hundred percent of his time with her. So, I, so I've been a part of that, and I've actually seen that happen with other people. It's a pretty common thing.
3: Musical interlude. I once had a girlfriend, and then one day she dumped me. And everywhere I go, people always ask me where she was. I don't want to talk about her. Someone always asks about her. So I tell them all, my girlfriend's dead. And yes, Robert, it was the one where the Red Skull was Italian that Matt Salinger played Captain America with rubber ears.
4: When this a million downloads, when this is the one that breaks, that breaks us. I'm going to laugh.
1: Mark, you know where you're going to hear the songs that Pat is
4: singing? Where's my pad? Yes, I do. And as a matter of fact, if you would like to hear uh, the actual songs that Pat is doing karaoke for tonight you can check out our uh, free 30-day giveaway of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Uh, and that link in the description is getamazonmusic.com slash W2Mnetwork. Again, that's getamazonmusic.com slash W2Mnetwork for our free 30-day trial of the Amazon Unlimited service. If you like it you keep it past the 30 days. You don't. Uh, you cancel it. No fuss, no must, no contact. Okay. So unless there's a whole lot more we're going to talk about, Joe, and I, and I do want to say this one, <laughs> this one thing. Oh, that's what it's like when I do it. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> is again, this was this, when you guys were talking about it before I started watching it. Again, there were a lot of Dexter comparisons, and there was a lot of talk of like, oh, well, he's a serial killer. He's, and, no. He's he's really not. No, he's not. Like he's struggling to <laughs> kill Benji, who's all... just the world's <laughs> biggest douchebag. And he finally he finally gets he when he realizes he doesn't have a, a way to deal with Benji that he can trust, um, you know, and, and that he can that he knows he'll get away with. He's like he's like, well, yeah, I guess he has to die. But it's not like that was always the intention. The intention was just no. to get him disconnected from uh, from yeah. Beck. Yeah. Um. When he kills Pete, and it's funny because he'll explain this all later to Beck when it all come, when it all comes out in the wash, and to a certain degree, like. Yeah, he uh, it was a first degree murder with Benji. He absolutely intended to kill him with Peach. They were struggling. Over no, not really,
1: not really. Because he he says, because he gives uh, Benji a drink, and he says, out of all the lies he's told me, the fucking peanut allergy was actually the truth.
3: Okay, okay. that's fair, that's fair because he didn't actually intend to murder him at the same time, but. At, do you think there's a point where he's ever going to realize, like, oh, I'm probably never going to be able to set Benji free, so I have to kill him?
4: Yeah, I, I, I look, I'll I point, don't. I'll point, I'll point that Chekhov's gun at you. I'm going to tell you this: if I'm a prosecutor, you can well, you know, I get alcohol, throw any kind of defense out there for how he dealt with Benji. At the end of the day, it was still murder. The the peach yeah. one where they're struggling over the gun, I'm more willing to buy. Whatever he was there for, it was ins- but, but whatever was happening prior to that. In the end of the day, it was self-defense. She was, try- in fact, trying to kill him too. Um, I forget how they deal with the abusive uh, neighbor boyfriend. Was it, um, is it Paco that kills him, and then he just covers it up?
1: No, he, he kills Paco. him.
4: Yeah, yeah, he,
1: he covers tells it up. Paco to he, cover kills it up him. And he kills him. Yeah, he yeah he kills him and tells Paco to cover it up because what mm-hmm. happens is he starts being abusive again. And he, mm-hmm. uh, I think, if I remember correctly, he chases Paco out to the garden. And go, uh Paco's running because Paco hits him with a bat. And Paco right. takes <laughs> off running. And they go out. And Joe shows up behind him and stabs him with, I think it's a screwdriver in the throat. Yeah.
3: yeah uh, and okay. then and again, Daniel Cosgrove car. has never played a likable character in his career. He played... uh And Van Wilder, he played the guy that nobody liked. He played, and I don't know he was Brandon Walsh's replacement. And it's like, who's gonna fucking like a replacement for Brandon Walsh? Guys, the heart and soul of the show. So fuck this guy. We don't like him.
4: So I, 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 uh, I, if the if the hook of this show is that he's a sociopath, I was it kind of loses me almost from the start because he's such he's hemming and hawing over killing Benji, and then everything else is either in self defense or in the midst of like,
3: well, let's let's go to the peach murder then. Yeah. yeah. And let's talk about Peach a little bit as a character because I feel like go ahead. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, um, let's move Peach on to
3: now... Peach. Yeah. Peach Peach Salinger is probably the number three character in the show in the first season, behind obviously Joe Goldberg and Guinevere Beck. Peach is Beck's best friend. We'll put that in air quotes for those of you guys listening via audio. Um, she's very self serving she constantly manipulates Beck into situations that are favorable to her, where right. she can...
4: Beck's her continue... pet. What's that? Yeah, Beck, Beck, Beck's the pet. main girl. Beck, I like, Beck yeah.
3: is Regina George.
4: I like, yeah, Beck is Beck is Peach's pet.
3: Yeah she, really, yeah, she really is. And Peach Peach kind of gets off on just being able to control Beck and manipulate mm. her and do whatever she wants with her. And this is seen probably most at at point when Peach uh, grabs a literary agent for Beck, mm. who is an aspiring writer, and mm. tells the agent, oh, her stuff is, eh, she needs work, but just meet with her, it'll be fine, to set up this meeting for Peach. And Peach's like, oh my god, you're having me meet with this guy who's representing this writer and this writer, this is incredible, you're my friend, you're not going to set me up for failure. And the guy winds up being a douchebag, has no in- intention of repping her, doesn't care about right. her writing. Thinks it's mediocre and tries to just bang her in a limo, and like Joe's meanwhile. Like cool. What's up, Jay? I said
1: I like said, you, you do. both.
4: I said we both said like you do because because who, who doesn't who doesn't want to bang a girl in a limo?
3: Okay, we'll go on. Oh, bullshit! If you're <laughs> not go <going> to prom. <laughs> yeah, don't even start that, Pat Mullen. <laughs> okay, I've watched *Came of New York* a few times. Um... <laughs> So, so again, she, he Joe is basically trying to protect her again to try to make him seem more sympathetic. He's been telling her, like, hey, she's not out for your best interest. She's telling this guy this for this. And Peach is like, No, you know, I'm telling you this for this. Pete so Beck meets with the literary agent, he's just trying to fuck her in a, a limo because she's you know a seven out of ten, and why not? And uh, sure enough, this happens and Beck is hurt and is all about, you know, my God, Joe tried to tell me this. You didn't lie, blah, 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 blah. And then Joe realizes Peach has got to go because she's going to keep trying to control Beck like this. And Joe, who is taking up running, which I have as well, has figured out what <laughs> runner's high is. And while running, just takes a big old uh, chunk of rock, whacks Peach right beside the head. And instead of dying like she has the good sense to do, no, she stays alive and figures out, oh, I have a stalker, mainly based on Joe, thinking, oh, you might have a stalker.
1: You're right. I forgot if that he hit
4: her with the rock. Yeah, but now. I was focusing so much on the gun thing.
1: Okay, Uh, two things here. One, do you think he tried to kill her with the rock? And two, you never see how the gun went off. It pants up to the sky. You just hear the gunshot. So you don't know if it was self defense or not. He could have got the gun and just fucking executed her. That would have been cool. Things. I would have liked to. I would have liked to seen that if that would. That was the case. A, I think that would have been awesome. You
4: have a stronger case with the Central Park incident. Yeah, you know, one he, I 100 percent believe the Rock was meant to kill her. Yeah, no, he totally was trying to kill her, and he even Absolutely. said, like, when she doesn't die, I mean, his reaction to is one to of kill of her. oh gun, shit, didn't die. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, the, mission not accomplished. So no, he totally tried to kill her. Um, I forgot that. I well, no, that no, no, I forgot. I, I am um, when they are, if I remember correctly, that scene is she's coming after him with a gun. They start wrestling on the grass. Then it pans up, and then you hear the gun go off. Yes. So even if you're saying like, oh, he shot her, he shot her while they were wrestling over the gun. Her yeah. intention was to kill him at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I still, was, I still was, was wish it was execution style. That would have been even. Like he just like kicked her in the back, and then just like
3: as she was getting up, just popped a cap in her ass. Hey, Dad, remember when you Tom had you in a headlock and you kicked him in the back and screamed, "I'm a hemophiliac." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you teach me how to do that. Yeah, and you know, we you, have you know, we listen. Have Robert- if there's a lot, if there's a lot gun in play, you do what you got to do. <laughs> Okay. Especially if you're Alec Baldwin. I've only had that happen to me once. And fortunately, there was not a homicide in play. There was a maneuver the gun away, get it away, and fucking fight till the cops came. And I was not charged on anything, thank God.
1: because Well, we understand that you're not Alec getting Baldwin.
3: Getting the gun and, and fucking firing it off, which we didn't do. So let's never do that again in my lifetime because that happened and... <laughs> I can tell you from being in that situation, you're pissing your pants like a motherfucker. Okay.
4: Um, all right. Look, we got we gotta move on. We we really haven't we've talked about her relation in relation to Joe. We just talked about her in relation to Peach. We have not actually talked about Guinevere Beck at all. And I'll tell you, I here's the thing with her. I don't think she's the worst woman ever. On the Adrian scale, she's kind of a five. Um I would agree with that. You know, she. Yeah, I can say that. You can't win.
3: <laughs> Shut up.
4: Um, she she's got stuff. You know, her dad was a, a drug addict at one point, and she's struggling. And you know, all all the all the horrible men in the world want to put their dick in her. It's you know, and I get it. And she just wants to write poetry. I understand her angst. Um, and her shitty decision making. <laughs> God, bad. I <laughs> I am uh, just saying. So it's like, you know, like, is she, is she kind of is. basic and blah and not worth all the trouble? Yes. Is she the worst woman ever? No. She's just, and I think that's my other issue with this show, is television sort of puts a frame around very interesting, you know, and dynamic people. This is one of those weird shows where, like, yeah, I mean, Joe, first of all, there is plenty of sociopaths in the world. So Joe's not that unique. And then you have her, and she's every girl I've ever met ever that I didn't marry. So
0: <laughs>
3: wait, 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 Wow. Wait. Go ahead, Jason. With,
0: Go ahead Jason. Joe is
3: not the all unique right. one. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> She's not the unique one. It's just these this shit happens all the time. That's, and, a, that's what I'm like, yeah. so I'm like watching so this show and it's like, I'm watching this and show. And they
4: meet in the middle somewhere. <laughs> I'm just watching the show and I'm just like, oh, that's another day in the life of shitty white people. I mean, you're not wrong.
1: Why they so, why they gotta be white? That's racist. Because well, they are. are white. This <laughs> is how white people do things. Because like, yeah, white, people, white do people do shit like that. First, of are, all, I'm yeah, i white, a white person, people,
3: uh, no. First of all, I'm a white person in this age range who lives in Brooklyn. There's a lot of fucking really slutty whores out there. And there's a lot of <laughs> And there's a lot of fucking dudes who you see in these bars. You're like, oh, that's a fucking serial killer. That's a fucking serial. Killer. That dude's a fucking
4: American Psycho. Killer. Well, this American ca- psycho, American
1: Psycho. <laughs> Hold on this. This is coming. This is from the coming from the guy whose biggest compliment today was, "You just got out too, huh?" Uh, so yes, you know, I, I'm I, were, I was shocked. No, I'm just saying I can respect, you know, Pat Pat's commentary on this being, you know, you could see people like this because there's people out there like this. But there Beck really is are. The, like like we like like we discussed earlier, Beck is the most basic bitch. Uh basically it's cut paste, <laughs> basic bitch. Uh if you gave her a pair of Uggs and a Starbucks cup for the thing, you'd hit you check all the bingo okay, cards. Okay, but,
3: but but what we haven't checked about the most basic bitch is Dr. Nikki.
1: Well, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. Yeah. Okay. You know, you 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 can't you can't blame her. I because mean, I'll he give her every, a solid pass. Every word for fucking up Jesse. said
3: could make you laugh. He'd talk forever. Yeah, if I the mean, song you know, she to gets... You, fill your heart with joy. He'd talk forever.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, he gets she gets a pass. I mean, you know, if, if no. my wife fucked uh, John Stamos, I mean, I'd be okay with it. I'd, I'd <laughs> let her have hall- a pass. Okay.
4: <laughs> I was gonna say, is that the hall pass?
1: That's one of the hall passes. Which her hall pass is actually Blake Lively, and I fully understand. And that will go into a whole nother conversation about Ryan Reynolds that I'm not ready to have on this con- on this podcast right now. But you're ready to have it uh, about John Stamos. That's fine. But anyway, uh, yeah, the camo yoga pants. Uh, I don't but care but those. Going don't eat. I've got the TikTok yoga pants that make my ass look good. But anyway, exactly uh TikTok made good. me buy it. TikTok made yeah.
4: me buy Go it. Go ahead, Jason. You, know, you have to talk bad. Let Jason talk for God's sake. I got I got
1: two bulldogs that are over a fine ham back there. But anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm am a little drunk. Uh but anyway, you know, Beck is Beck is probably the most horrific person of this because she is so codependent and the world has to revolve around me and it has to be about me, me, me. You just want to make her choke on a dick and just just shut the fuck up.
4: <laughs> this is not getting monetized. I can see it now.
3: <laughs> I thought I was the most, you know, whatever. It's fine, Jay, go ahead. It's cool.
1: But hey, I
4: mean... I'm going to
3: check
1: <laughs> hey you you got you got you got full-fledged jason tonight uh a little a little inebriated, Hell yeah! but have you good but you know it's always a good time Dang, for me and Pat the world needs nobody halfway exactly uh i mean you know uh some people might be into that i don't know but anyway moving on uh, but yeah i mean she is like the absolute worst person uh and she She's the one that elevates Joe, the Joe to be likable for all the shit that he does because she's a whore. Uh, if if all the dicks that stuck out of her, that was put in her, stuck out of her, so she'd if be you a goddamn porky All de-pie. my friends
3: know what you got to say. And okay. yo, by the way, and let's hit the hay. And let's, yo, by the way, bam, so, bam, bam, now.
4: Since we're almost at an hour, of let's, let's talk about this. The conclusion of the show is he puts her in the glass cabinet and he tries to win her over. She ends up manipulating him and playing on his sympathies, and she escapes only to only to get killed by Joe off camera. Yeah, um, she's a fucking skank. So my after to you guys
1: But what's important about this is why she's in yeah. there, she's writing his alibi because she's writing the well, story no, she's that, in there
4: because she found all of the evidence that he's a sociopath. No, himself. no, yeah, of, no. I'm saying, again. I'm okay. saying. But
1: while while she's in there, she's writing while, this, okay The yeah, while she's in there, she's writing the book that you know becomes the bestseller after she dies about mm-hmm. Doctor Nikki and is framing Doctor Nikki because that's what she is. Pers- um, no, re- but, but, telling but, Joe but, but, about to, is because she's okay. framing everything that she found out about Joe to be Doctor Nikki because. She cut the relationship off on him and she's framing it as he's obsessed with her. And that's the story
3: that she writes. Okay. So, to be fair, though, in part, Rachel Fox was her alias for the Fox who's texting her and being like, Oh, you coming over? Blah, blah, blah. Everything's cool, blah, blah, blah. But in fairness, we found out that was a, an alias for Dr. Nikki. So she's banging John Stamos, which, again, I don't blame most women for because it's John Stamos. It is yeah. what it is. Have mercy. I mean, it's Uncle Jesse. Have mercy. It's Uncle Jesse. It's Uncle Jesse, exactly. So, you know, who's going to blame more for banging Uncle Jesse? But at the same time, she's doing it, and Joe's like, oh, no, fuck this. Like, no, we we can't have this. Because I'm in true love with you and you're banging a whole Jesse and my, you know, whatever is not in line and I'm
1: going to kill you.
3: I'm going to kill Uncle Jesse.
4: So and- here's my... here. I think that the ultimate question here I'm is... I'm drunk. I'm to take a piss. <laughs> you're starting to get a little slurry <laughs> there, uh, Dr- Drunky Smurf. <laughs> Um Jason, I-, I was struggling with the ending of this because it would seem like... And I guess if you lose Joe, you don't have a show. What are you going to do? Have a show about Beck? Nobody wants that. But on the other hand, him finally killing her in the end. I'm like, where do you go from here? And in a second and now ultimately a third season, I guess we're going to find out.
1: Season two is much better.
4: I think when I think back about somebody, I I think about my dad. My dad always tells me he doesn't watch a lot of these shows that we tend to talk about. On, I'll explain. My, my dad tells me all the time he doesn't watch a lot of the shows that we tend to talk about on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network and think are good shows because he doesn't like to root for what are ostensibly bad people. So, like, he doesn't watch Oz or The Wire or The Shield or... Um, my Little Pony.
0: <laughs>
4: you know, or, or any of those shows because it's always like... <laughs>
0: The
3: best is ready to
0: be again, as long as we got each other, other, we got the
3: world spinning right in our hands, baby, you and me, we gotta be the luckiest dreamers. And we've been dreaming been as dreams. long as we keep on leaving. vodka. <laughs> we can take oh, anything God damn. that comes our way. <laughs> baby, <laughs> Jeremy Miller, baby, uh, all me. the time. <laughs> we got each other sharing the Cameron in love. <laughs>
4: Can't,
3: Cameron can't. Love.
4: Have you heard the story hey Mark, just, where, pa- where so Pat? You know, yeah.
3: You
1: you oh want to know how Beck wrote her blast. you, you, you want to know how Beck wrote her wrote her novel so elegantly?
4: How? Uh, was that oh, actually, uh, she used Grammarly. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: fucking lost Jason. Uh yes. <laughs> I'm sure Beck wrote most of her papers on the computer using Grammarly. And Grammarly will help you too. Grammarly's AI powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly... Uh, helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or really anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Before Pat breaks into another song, <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoy, but just to make his last point, yeah. Um, I'm
3: also not peeing, so that's fair.
4: It, um you shouldn't be cheering for somebody who commits cold-blooded murder, but he's the star of the show. <laughs> and I'm just trying to figure out why, as an audience member, you're going you cheer for Vic Mackey because he takes the he takes the gangs off the street. Yes, he's he using does. brutal methods. To eliminate okay. crime, and if he steals a little extra, <laughs> you know, Armenian drug money for himself, who's to say he hasn't earned it? Nobody here, Here right. for McNulty because he's a. At the, at the end of the day, he's trying to solve murders in one of the worst murder capitals in the United States, Bemore, where we aim to hit a. You know what? You know, okay so, Boulevard. What's up? So my point is, like all of these people that we like in these shows, you know, you have a reason to cheer for them despite their. Less than stellar ways. I don't have a reason to cheer for Joe. And when he kills Beck and you know, and Beck dies, I'm like, okay, well, the the bad guy got he's the bad guy of the show, he got away with it. There's nothing about him that's likable. Go ahead, Pat.
3: Okay, so here's the thing with Joe, right? Does anybody doubt? Okay, I'm gonna enlist you two as my volunteers because we don't have anybody else except for commentary, which includes Robert Winfrey. Does anybody doubt that Joe actually loves Beck?
4: No, I, I think he he's infatuated. Well, no, I think he does love Beck, but who's to say love's not insane or informed okay. by insanity?
3: So Mark says yes, Jay, you say.
1: I say no. I think it's just an infatuation. I think
3: Okay, so we got one Yay and one nay, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's go with Yay, right? Okay. This this whore who bangs Doctor Nikki, bangs all these, bangs Benji, bangs dudes, right? She's banging all these dudes. Exactly, and Joe is like, no, she's not banging these dudes. It's fine. She loves me. She's banging me. Everything's cool. And then she basically finds out, like, oh. Have you been banging Dr. Nikki? Yeah, I've been banging Dr. Nikki. Oh, you've been banging John Stamos, who's the most impossibly good-looking man ever. You fucking uh, skank. Bang! Next to bang, Ron Reynolds. Bang, 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 bang. But instead of doing bang, dang, bang it bang, a bang, 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 like any normal man would, he decides he's gonna murder her with like you do. book chamber.
4: All right, go ahead, Jason.
1: The most disturbing part of this, and I'm going to point this out because I want your guys' take on it. The most disturbing part of this is Paco. Because Paco sees her trying to get Ooh. out, and he, instead of helping her, he turns a blind eye and runs away, leaving no, her no. to know knowing knowing what is going to happen because he knows what Joe's capable of. But no, he... Baco's he, a fucking dickhead. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say and he's you, loyal to you, Joe. You shut Beth your head, your whore mouth about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying it. No, I'm saying Baco's, the most fucked Baco's up. a dickhead. I'm saying the most fucked up thing is he knows what Joe's capable of. So he knows when he turns and doesn't help her, he's sealing her death. And yeah, he he he's Joe for life.
4: He's also but a anyway. child, and cognitive dissonance is real. All he's thinking okay, is, "I don't all, want to get involved here okay, again because Joe uh, just got me out of a jam." Go ahead, Pat.
3: Maybe, maybe, maybe I can be of use in this because I was a child <laughs> who was in, uh, uh let's say, the abuse. You want somebody? Parent, you, right, you, you mean, left Pat, somebody Pat, to die. Pat,
4: sharing with the group. Let's go.
3: Okay. Okay. So, so again, I point to over the top right there. Just saying, <laughs>
4: your father arm wrestled for custody of you. Yes.
3: My, my dad would have armed us with custody. We lost. Just saying.
1: <laughs> so, did you, try,
3: did you flip the My dad was a bitch. Switch? Um, you No, but switch. you're saying. Okay. So, Paco, who I think is the one character that everybody in this show can sympathize with, right? So, yes. Because true. He's a child in an abused home with a mother who continually puts There's up a whore. boyfriend. Because of his job standing and whatever. Okay. So again, my, you know, my parents split in 95, whatever. My mom did a bunch of losers in 96. There was a dude who named Bill, okay, who was the longest standing of the losers. And he would bring me wires and stuff to like, like play with my RC cars and stuff. And, This fucking guy like would bring oh yeah you can rewire it and make it faster or whatever, but this fucking asshole still lives with his mom. So what the fuck? (laughs) Who gives a shit? He's a fucking loser trying to date my mom, and that's all I saw. So I was like, fuck this guy. So eventually, like, you know, as you do with people who are trying to date your parents, you fucking X them out and be like, nah, fuck you, get your asshole. So Paco, to an extent, he, like, he realizes, like, he realizes that, you know, Joe is not trying to date Claudia. He's not trying to be his dad, whatever. But Joe is actually trying to be there for him as a person who understands what he's, kind of understands what he's going through. And Paco, like, going through with the murderous impulses and stuff, I was almost kind of hoping Joe would turn him into an apprentice because there's quite frankly too many people, there's not enough people who understand how murder can be a good thing, and Paco could have be been one of them, and Joe just blows the <laughs> opportunity. That was almost broken.
1: Yes.
4: Of
1: so <laughs> so so now it's time
3: for Jason to share with the class.
4: Okay, go ahead, Jason. This is a safe space, public on the internet. We don't have space safe. God damn it! Shut up, drunky smurf. Go ahead, Jason. <laughs>
1: Uh so so, so oh, this tattoo on my goddamn so,
4: arm. I'm
1: handy, goddamn. All right, so let, let's I, I relate to Paco. Uh simply because I grew up in a domestic violence uh, household. Um my mm-hmm. real dad committed suicide when I was three years old. My mother, the person I thought as you know the father figure in my life for you know my formal developmental years was very drunk and abusive. Uh the kind of um that led to my sophomore year of high school, me getting woke up due to a drunk driving incident that killed the person that I thought uh viewed as a stepfather and one of their friends and my mother went to jail. Uh not many people know this. I mean a lot of you guys close to me this you know that, you know, this past January I lost my mother uh, unexpectedly and the guy that she was was married to uh, for the past 21 years, who was technically my stepfather, was very abusive as well, not not only physically, but mentally, to the point where me and my mother didn't have a the best of relationships. She had to sneak and call me, and I'll be honest with you, uh, there was not a day that go by when I found out that he had a death uh, health problems. I didn't wish that he would go ahead and die so my mom could find peace. Ironically, my mother and him passed on the same day within eight hours of each other. So I know the abusive relationship and someone staying with somebody because they don't feel that they're good enough for anyone else and they can't find happiness outside of themselves. So I can relate to that. I see myself in Paco a lot. So that's why I wanted to ask you guys of the instance where Paco turns because in Joe's mind, he sees Paco that as the kid that he was when Mooney took him in. As that father figure... Not so much the, the quote-unquote pseudo-father, but the male figure that is guiding his life and shaping him to be a formidable adult and showing him right, right from wrong, which Joe's idea of right from wrong is completely fucked up. But anyway, uh, but that's the relationship that I've seen that Joe took with Paco was the same relationship he and Mooney had, except without the abuse. Uh, because Joe knows what that abuse done to him, so Joe was kind of nurturing, more nurturing to Paco than Mooney was to him. Uh, so he was just trying to be the the male father, the male positive figure in Paco's life, and that's where I think Paco. And I would love for this to come back in a later season, uh, with Paco being the the deciding factor. Because basically, Paco sealed. Beck's fate by showing his uh, commitment to the friendship he had with Joe and leaving her be and leaving her behind without helping her. And uh, that's where I was base, to your guys' take on. He
3: said the bathroom is the best place to hide stuff from
4: tiles.
1: Yeah, so he basically ratted Joe out and that started the snowball effect of fuckery.
4: Yeah, but he didn't know that Joe was hiding teeth and cell phones up there.
3: He really didn't. So, Beck going up the search, it's like, there's 50, yeah, 50 she's people. A, she's like, a, okay. She's a nosy bitch. You didn't trust him, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you shouldn't have trusted him because he's got all these things like uh, about you. You shouldn't have trusted him. But not it's is like you up, violated his trust. So, uh, what do you
1: like? Uh, After okay, so uh, you smash like? the phone, why to keep it? Why keep
4: right. the phone after you smash it? Memento. Let fun- me ask you. Uh, so, so, Jason, what what is your question directly for me regarding Paco and letting Beck die? Basically, what do you what do you, you want to know from me? How does how does
1: that from a professional standpoint? Uh, if you had um, how do how does that how do you view that from a professional standpoint per se?
4: I mean, look. First of all, he's a child making questionable decisions as a child kind of goes to the territory. Um, yeah, but it led have... to somebody's murder. Dude, mm-hmm. you both just told very tragic <laughs> circumstances of your life, which I'm sure led to some not great decisions you've made between the ages of whenever all that was happening and the current age you're at now. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever. Um, I've
1: not made any questionable decisions ever.
4: None. Um, so ever. Other, th- other than Jason. His- whoops. <laughs> other than jason's perfection and whatever the hell batches did um Past break I would, shit. <laughs> in all fairness again making the whole point of being a child is to sort of you know touch hot stoves and trip over rocks and sort of figure life out and there's going to be your parents to make sure you don't get too burned or too hurt in the process when you don't have those there when you don't have a stable living environment to help shape Your decision making and your behavior as you start as you age and mature, you're going to just continue to make poor decisions. And and I look at Paco. Paco he spent ninety percent of the season in the hallway because his mother was either banging or getting banged. So that was a domestic violence joke, everybody. Um, You know, she was either getting beat up or she was having sex with the guy. You know, like there was no in between there. Um, sunglasses. So the fact that Paco. You know, when having to make a quick second decision, in, you know, in a morally uh, a quick second decision in a situation where I think for most people, they would be like, no, you save the to save the trapped woman. What else do you think you're going to do? But he had just like within minutes of that happening, he had just had to b- bury a guy that that was killed in front of him. He, no, I don't was,
1: think he's in a while. It was a time. It was a time in between
4: close enough. I mean, considering the how easy it is to be traumatized in the human condition i'm going to guess that that situation affected him and will continue to affect him if we ever see him again in seasons and seasons forward so my point being like what did i think of it i think that that was a logical decision for him to make being a child you know in that situation he owed yeah, back okay, nothing so again hang on, hang on he owed back nothing he had really no connection to back except through joe Right. And he didn't know he didn't know what the context was, he didn't know what the situation was. And oh by the way, Joe saved him from getting killed by whatever the right. off his name is Ron. Was. Yeah. Ron. I, I, again. Ron. Go ahead, Pat.
3: Being in that that child uh, mentality where you have an adult who's coming at you and you're like, Oh my god, I don't know if this guy's trying to kill me or or just hurt me or whatever. You're thinking at that point, like, okay, I'm going to do whatever needs to be done to keep me alive and this guy not alive. Right. And that's a really fucked up thing to say, but I've been in that situation and you know, it is what it is where my dad would, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be really personal on this and people can enjoy it. People can not enjoy it, whatever. I was in the like, you know, the seventh grade and my dad, Would tie one on and be like, you know, you're the problem, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll be like, I'm not the problem, et cetera, et cetera.
4: And we just go into it.
3: And like, I'd fucking, you know, just do whatever I had to do and go out at my dad. And it was really horrible. And, you know, we'd fight tooth and nail to the point where, like, you know, I had to beat him down and just do whatever I had to do to, you know, fight to survive. And then, grab you know school clothes and whatever and drop them out the window of my bedroom and hang drop from the fire escape and drop down and go stay at the night the uncles to pretend nothing was wrong and everything's fine my dad's in maryland so it's all cool and uh you know these are the things you had to do to pretend that everything was fine and you know whatever
4: so we got to start getting towards a uh, conclusion here um Jason, you know, this being kind of being something you were passionate and wanted to talk about, though you jokingly also keep calling it a shit show. Um, What what left unsaid here did you want to talk about with season one? Uh, And Uh. and really what I want to know from you is why did you stay once he's killed Beck and you're like, okay, he's an he's an irredeemable character where other than one because the the stinger at the end is Candace is is, it's implied he killed Candace. And that's certainly what Beck thought of him. Yeah, she bought it. And then when Candy shows up again, he's like, oh, she's alive. WTF. So it's a great stinger for a season two. But other than that, like just wanting to know what was the situation with, with him and Candace. I don't I would love to know from you after he killed Beck in cold blood, what is the reason for continuing to watch this show? Because,
1: like I said, it's a shit show, and I say that with the most sincere condensation, is because it's It's America. Uh, We watch. No, I mean, I'm serious. Uh, Mm -hmm. We watch tragedies. We watch the we rubberneck on horrific car accidents. As a former EMT, I've seen it all the time. You you want to see other people's tragedy as entertainment. And that's
4: that's our society. It's a dramatic. Uh, It's dramatic train wreck television as opposed to reality train wreck television.
1: Right, instead of scripted television that people pose as reality television, because in each and everything you can relate with somebody on this show, Uh, Mm -hmm. you can relate with you know the basic bitch Beck that's fucking that is a whore because she doesn't think she's worthy, the the psycho Joe that is that is the probably if you boil it down one of the worst characters of this, but everybody else in the circle of friends is so pathetic and horrible. He's redeemable. Uh, okay, you could like everybody knows a uh, peach that is that obsessive friend that will do anything to to protect air quotes for all those watching uh, listening on audio uh, their friend to be a cock blocker.
3: I
4: Jason froze again. Pat, J-Dosh. you want to weigh in here?
3: Yeah. So P- peach again. You know, we we didn't talk entirely about her, but... Okay.
4: Sorry. Go ahead, Jason.
3: Jay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I froze froze
1: up. So, Pat shared, we related with Paco. There was a character that everybody... You can relate on some level with everybody in this show. And that is the train wreck that we find of entertainment as a society now. Because we we all know that instant gratification Mm -hmm. uh, through social media. I mean, hell, we're doing a podcast on it um, and we you know, we all want that that quote unquote love and validation from our peers and the people around us and strangers. Uh, and that's the what's wrong with us because we carry uh, strangers validation more than what we uh, consider our close friends and our inner circles validation. And I'll end with that.
4: I just want Robert Winfrey's validation. I'll never get it, but that's all I want in this world. I have my everybody wife. Everybody wants. I have, I have. Everybody
1: wants Robert's validation I, because I he have is the, the lo- supreme. I, I
4: was going to say I have the love of my wife and children. That's old hat. What I want that I don't have is Robert Winfrey's validation, but I'm never going to get it, and that is that is my trouble. That is my quandary. <laughs> Pat, I'll let you have the final word on on this show. I I will say this to you, Jason. I'm anxious to watch season two when we get to it at the end of November. <laughs> uh, I will now that I know what I'm in for. I. <laughs> <now that laughs> yes, I Pat, you for, are invited
1: back. You are invited back, Pat. Oh.
4: Um, I'm 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 I g am i am excited to see what happens with season two. So I won't quite be as like why, why, why <laughs> with this. At least at least no, now you know me. what it's I'm fine. in for. But that's it. That's all I have to really say about this is like this was a rough go at first. I kind of got into it. I was more curious as to like Set. why you guys watch this. And now that now that we've had that discussion, I can kind of just lay back and go, okay, let's see what happens next. Pat, I'll give you the final word and we'll get out of here.
3: So the first six episodes, a little bit tough to get through. I'm not going to lie to you. The second six episodes, like really, really fun. But at the same time, it's one of those things that it's, it's really geared. And I'm not going to lie. Like it's really geared toward lowly men who don't understand women. And Oh, it's a show for neck beards.
4: Okay. I get it, it. It
3: really is a show for neck beards. And, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, let's reach out to these poor bastards
4: <laughs> and
3: saying hi to say hi to Phoenix.
1: Hi, Phoenix, Ray Phoenix. No,
3: the city, Phoenix,
4: oh. Arizona. Okay.
3: So it is uh, what it is, and that's that's where we're at. And I enjoy the narrative, but in the second season I really don't. Third season it picks back up, but uh, I have not was- I have
1: not seen the third season yet. I, I I'm holding out for my rewatch of season two to to we dive into the third season.
4: All right. Folks, that is our drunken review of uh, Drunken, how dare drunk? you? <laughs> yeah, who's drunk? You. season one which you can now watch on netflix we dropped a shit ton of content not just today but this entire week um from the top we had our re-airs of paranormal activity long road to ruin parts one and two which covered movies one through four um myself and ronnie adams no yes ronnie adams at (laughs) at some point we reviewed (laughs) at some point we reviewed the last duel i don't remember when yeah that's it it was sunday um Myself and Chris Bailey reviewed Crown Jewel. Uh, we are getting the band back together for Survivor Series. So if you've been missing, you've been missing Mr. Chris Seahan on 605. Uh, he will be back with us on Survivor Series. I'm relegating Harry to covering independent shows. Anyway.
0: Wow.
4: Of, Oof. He knows. <laughs> he knows what's up. Um, but uh, speaking of independent, myself and Sean Comer reviewed Donnie Darko for its 20th anniversary. That was fun. Jesse started his uh, sixth part one of Rise of the Midnight Suns. He's been dropping one show a day leading up to Halloween. Uh, myself, David Wright, and Robert Winfrey reviewed Dune 2021 part one. Um, Wednesday, myself, Jesse Starcher, and Robert Cooper reviewed the new self-titled Halloween that dropped in June. Um, last uh, Yesterday, we re-aired our split seven-inch of Gem and the Holograms and paranormal activity the ghost dimension it's a really fun show i re-, re listening to it we had a good time with that despite it's weird content um gavin came on to discuss ted lasso earlier today myself and alexis Hena re- did a triple uh feature It was scooby-doo meets courage straight out of nowhere muppets haunted mansion and my little pony the next generation tomorrow <laughs> speaking of jesse and alexis i'm not even on camera i don't know what you're doing um they are hosting a tripped up trivia focusing on horror movies just in time for Halloween. So that'll be fun. Jay, are you on
1: that? No, I'm not. I wasn't even invited. So
4: What? It kind
3: of pisses
1: me off.
4: <laughs> and uh and then in the evening time once the UFC wraps up, myself and Robert Winfrey will be doing a alternative commentary for Jose Zapata versus Josue Vargas on ESPN+. Yay, boxing alternative commentary, my favorite thing. And then on Halloween, we've got a whole bunch of shit dropping. We've got uh, <laughs> Jesse. Once again, Jesse and Alexis. Um, Power Rangers on a Nightmare on Elm Street. Their crossover, nobody wanted. But got anyway. Uh, we are re-airing our Trick or Treat reanimated review, um, which was a covers album by Italian progressive metal band Trick or Treat. We have the final part of Rise of the Midnight Suns. And just put on the calendar, because it was announced today, Limp Biscuit is dropping... <laughs> Limp Biscuit is dropping Nobody a new album cares. on Fuck Off on Halloween called something like <laughs> Still Stink or something like that. Come here. Here. Robert, I want to plug this, this, this right now it. and I want you to be on camera when we do. We're
0: also doing a nightmare
4: before Christmas show. Yep. We're no, that's not what I want to talk about, though. We on Halloween Jonas, my,
3: don't do it. Jonas, don't do it.
4: He can't hear you. Um, myself and my children <laughs> are doing an alternative commentary for a nightmare before Christmas, but that's not all. For um, the Great American Teaching, my son is making me come in to talk about podcasting, and so to demonstrate what podcasts for the children, we were going to be reviewing the HBO Max three-part miniseries Aquaman: King of Atlantis. How do you feel about that? All right. I uh, feel like you, should, no, you should
1: just play no. this. <laughs> I feel like you should just play this episode for the other kids in the class.
4: Yeah, sure. That'll go over well. Um, anyway, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be reviewing the new Limp Bizkit album, Halloween Night, um, and then that's it. Then we're into November next week. Um, Eternals comes out, we'll be reviewing that. Then Ghostbusters, we'll be reviewing that. But a whole bunch of other mixed up messes. Um, <laughs> no, but it'll Do be Monday. be well, we on them all day. and behave. Yes, what he said. Uh, well, no, wait. We <laughs> oh, there goes that. Well, <laughs> okay, hey, go I
1: just left us
4: go ahead and do your uh
1: has has tapped out for the night
4: (laughs) pat has left the building all
1: right so uh you uh and i I always love recording with pat so um Uh anytime when pat said that he wanted to jump on i was i was thrilled and exacerbated uh and i didn't say masturbate i said exacerbated
4: Uh uh
1: maybe i did masturbate because pat was on here but that's a whole different story but anyway um uh, you can find me on the Second and Short Podcast. We drop uh daily TikToks. Ty is knocking it out of the park with those. Um, you can find us on all of your podcasting platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and you know, uh where we do YouTube. Uh, I'm not as inebriated on those shows because Ty makes sure that I'm hey. coherent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unlike unlike
4: <pays> you. <laughs> well that's I say with love. I pay. With uh, that
1: that's that's pay. That's beside the point. You pay with hugs, um, but you can catch me back here. Um, I think my next appearance is the twenty eighth, uh, when we're doing season two uh, of you, uh, which I am really <laughs> thrilled for you to see because it it definitely is an improvement over season one. It's
3: more yeah
1: of a psychological thing. I think. Uh, and that's why I wanted you to do this, is from uh, from the professional standpoint, because to see how all the um, the quirks and the mental issues that these people have. That's why I really wanted you to see this, is because to get your professional view of how fucked up these people are, and just uh, you know, wallow in the greatness of how society is. Uh, and then yeah, yeah your next you know, <laughs> show is
4: November twenty eighth. That's when we're doing you season two. But all but then two days later, you're on the Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City show. So I was getting
1: ready to say that. I was getting ready to say that. Let me do my fucking plugs, okay? I'm Jesse Starcher. I've got ten minutes of plugs, okay? Uh, anyway, <laughs> but yes. Uh, then two days later, after me and Mark wrap up you season two, I'm back for uh, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, which I'm really stoked about after seeing the trailer. Uh, With all the Easter eggs and stuff from all of the early Resident Evil games. So with that, uh, definitely follow me at my Twitter, as you can see, at T Z L E 2822 on Twitter. Follow the Second and Short podcast on Twitter. And definitely look us up on YouTube. And like, subscribe, and comment.
4: Thanks for joining us on TV Party Tonight. I'm Mark Radlitz. That's Jason Teasley. And over there, drunk and (laughs) falling down, is Pat Mullen. (laughs) Be well, be safe, and behave.